Christ's love, in Christ's love for dear fellow redeemed. My, my uh, desire today is one of your shepherds in your life is just to help you battle that thing we all have called fear. Uh, I don't know which of these are your favorite news programs, whether it's on your television or your phone. We obviously know that they both have a bias. One's a little bit to the right politically, one's a little bit to the left, and they overlap some. Uh, it might, you might know that they both sound awful lot alike, except they use have different content in the way that they report crisscrossing each other. But as a pastor, that's not at all what I'm most concerned about, because I really don't live in that, that world of worrying about those things very much. This is what I worry about. All news, by the nature of its clientele and the way they want to meet the clientele that's broad, is godless. What I mean is, God's not allowed to be part of the news broadcast. His word, his promises, his take on things, that's, it's all secular. And so it's, it, it's godless. And God's people eat a lot of the news that is produced in our secular society. My big concern is that you would be left with fear that's unchecked by faith, which is boistered by the words and promises of God. Let me give you an example. Uh, it, it is no secret that many of our churches have a 60 years old and older majority in them. Uh, it's just because we're an aging church body and whatever, for whatever reason. Because of that, during a time of COVID, where we're the 60 and above is the most vulnerable part of our population, many of our members are much more careful and cautious than, than the other population. Like when you hear news reports about college kids just living risky lives and not caring, right? And we're fearful especially also at church. I'll just say that oftentimes that kind of fear, even in someone that has been in the ministry before, can be fed by a, a steady diet of secular things in a time like this without the word of God to give you faith that combats fear. So what I want to do is, is help you not just listen to the news, and by the way, I'm, I'm as, I'm a, my phone tells me every week how much time I spend on it. Uh, I watch a lot of news, and I, I, uh, I, I like to go to the weather app because I want to see if we're going to get rain. And for a while, they replaced one of the weather icons on my phone with a COVID icon. And I went to it every day, click, and it would tell me in Williamson County where I live or Travis County where I work how many cases were that day. And I'm as current as anybody else because I... Take, have a steady diet of the news. Again, Godless information that helped me stay afraid. So when I preach to you, I preach to myself this beautiful word of God from Isaiah 46. And I want to give you a little bit of background before I read it with you and talk about it. Isaiah was a prophet. Remember, way back then, 700 years before Christ, there is no interventive medicine there's no way to tell the entire population what to do to try to stay safe from something. 
and they really don't understand. They, they, they kind of know symptomatically that, that uh, sickness spreads, but they don't even know what a germ is. They don't know what a vaccine is. They don't know what, uh, what would sanitize your hands against this thing. So the, 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 when, when a disease swept through, it was 10 times more devastating than what we're going through. And that was always on uh, around for them. Add to that also just daily pestilences and allergies that you could not combat. You had no antihistamines. You could get bit by a scorpion and you'd die and you had nothing you could do about it. No antidote for a snake bite. They had much more of those little critters because they, they didn't exterminate them and know how to deal with them. They also had vast enemies of foreign governments and they didn't have the strongest military in the entire world and intelligence, uh, you know, military intelligence working in their favor. The Israelites were very vulnerable. And in, in their entire history, they experienced a tremendous amount of genocide and disease and trouble and sorrow. And Isaiah is their prophet, bringing them God's word. And what's more is Isaiah is telling them because of their sins, they're act, that God's actually going to let the Babylonians come and do some of their ravishing work. And they actually did because the people of Israel didn't repent. But Isaiah, the, the, Isaiah as he prophesies about all these things, is telling many of them as if they're happening, uh, have already happened as he prophesies about them. He speaks about them in past tense or present tense when actually they're coming in the future. Before this passage, he said, you Israelites are tempted to go to idols for your comfort instead of to God. And he said, God has something to tell you. And then it's these two passages. And what these two passages are, are is God is speaking through Isaiah saying, you can trust me. You can trust me. And here's why. I made you. I carry you. And I will rescue you. You can trust me. Isn't that beautiful? Let's look at how he says it, though, because he says it even more beautifully than, than I'm trying to say it here. So it's Isaiah 46, starting at verse 3. And by the way, I, you notice I started with the things that we're listening to. That's because I wanted you to see what God is saying here. Listen to me. Don't, you know, I don't, not just godless information, but listen to me. Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob. All the remnant of the people of Israel. These are God's chosen people, but they've been whittled down by military and disease, you know, war and disease. Listen to me, you whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born. Actually, what is, uh, I think maybe the translation you have on the screen has it right. Maybe not. It's, he's saying, I carried you since you were conceived. Think about that. And since he says, I've held you since, your, your, since the day you were born, I've carried you also. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. 
Do you see those three things? They overlap. I made you and I kept you safe when you were just an egg in your mother. When you were just growing there in the womb, when you were conceived, I watched over you. I made you special and I carried you through your life and I will rescue you. Let's, let's talk about what this means so that it sticks, okay? You're all part of families, and you're all part of communities. It may have been very close to home. It may have been you, or it may have been your daughters or granddaughters. It may have been people that are close to you as friends. But you know, when people are trying hard to have babies, how vulnerable we all feel if they're people we love, because... There's so much divine intervention that's needed for that baby to make it safely from fertilization to a live baby out of the womb, isn't it? Just there's so many things that can go wrong and do go wrong. And we've all somehow experienced those and how hard it is. And, and, and we pray a lot when somebody we love is trying to have children or they're pregnant and they're scarce about the pregnancy, right? Man, we're talking to God. Please help us. And we're doing everything we can medically to help. But, and when that baby comes out, we go, man, God, you're amazing. You protected that little thing from just a fertilized cell to a human being right here. You made them. Right? We're just, we just feel so special about that child. That's you. That's everybody. Every single human being is a special, you are a special invention of God's that he protected. It may not have been around your, that when you were in your mother's womb that everybody was anxious and worried. But you were just as vulnerable as one that you know about, right? And you, you could do nothing to make sure you got out and here safely. You could do nothing. Your family couldn't do enough. But God made sure you made it safely. They say one of the most dangerous moments in everyone's life is their birth. <laughs> the birthing process. And God got you safe. That's what he's saying. I, I carried you in the womb. I conceived. I was there. I made sure you were safe when you were born. And he's saying this to people who are older now. Like you and me. And he's saying, I'll take care of you at the other end too. See, once you came out, everybody knew, and you've done this too, like this little baby's entirely dependent upon their family, right? Their mother, their father, their, their extended family to take care of everything. Absolutely everything. They have no way of taking care of themselves. So neglect is tantamount to murder of a little child, right? But then we grow, right? And before we're two, maybe before we're one, we're like, let me do it kind of attitude, right? And I want to try to do that. And, I, and, and we, we get this self-sufficiency Part of it's valuable. The other part is from the sinful nature that wants to be in control of our lives and think that we are and that we're God's. Instead of like God in, in his righteousness, we're like God in his autonomy, we think. And then we, then we get, grow up further. We get educated. We learn how to make money. Kids will say, I'm way ahead of where my parents were and they're feeling big, right? But then we're not those people, are we? We're older. We can't always bend over and tie our shoes. We have heart attacks. We can't make it without medicine. We, if they would not have done such and such, we probably would have died. We have stories, don't we? And we get older, 
And we get to the same feelings that we have about little children in the womb, about ourselves. It's like, God, if you don't come through, I'm done. Right? All of that fear, all of that vulnerability. Now we're an adult and we've lived many years, but we can live in fear instead of faith and jump up in the middle of our church and shout at everybody in fear. You're threatening all of us. I'm not worried about behavior modification. I'm worried about your fear and your heart and your faith because I don't want you to live in fear. God doesn't want you to live in fear. And that's why he said these words. He said, even in your old age, like when you were an infant and nobody else could save you but me, I will be there. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm older earlier because of my health issues. I know this. And I know that fear. And I'm preaching to myself and I'm preaching to you. Let go and trust God's word. I'll, I'll carry you. Think of the times and the ways he has carried you. Think of the moments where you look back and go, oh, if it weren't for God, I'd be gone. Right? Think of the people. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's strangers. But the people he brought into your life at the right time to get you this far. Your life is not in your hands. It's in God's hands who made you. By the way, let's just show how these made you and carry you go together. If you make something, you value it more than if it just happened. For instance, you want to you wanna, you wanna get uh, some new plants for your garden. It could be a flower garden, could be a food garden. You go to the store and you buy half-grown plants, or maybe they're third-grown. They're important to you. You paid money for them. You're going to nurture them along. But you have plants the very same size at home that you took as a little seed that you saved from last year, and you put that in a pot, and you watched it grow, and you watered it, and you nurtured it, and you read about it, and studied it, and you grew it up. And it's the same height as the plants you bought from the store. How are you going to feel if the plant you nurtured up to this tall, you come out one morning, and some animal has nipped it off at the dirt, Opposed to the one you got from the store. I mean, they're both going to make you angry, right? But the one that you made, that you, you have a special affection, and it's just a plant, right? The same way with your children that you made out of your marital love. It's the same way with things you make with your hands. I've got a cabinet that's a little nightstand about that tall that is in our garage, Mary has finally decided it doesn't fit the bedrooms, right? But I've held on and argued for that since I made it in the cabinet shop that I was working at in high school and college. And so we kept it for 30 years in our marriage inside the house. It's now relegated to the garage. I'm tr going to try to give it away or sell it on Facebook, but you know I'm not in a hurry. Because <laughs> I can go in the garage and go, there's that cabinet I made because I made it. Just get, you get the point? Well, what that plant or that cabinet is to us, that's what you are to God a thousand times over. He made you. Therefore, he's going to try to keep you. Therefore, he yearns for you to know that he's watching out for your life because he made you. You're not just an accident. You didn't just happen. He made you. And so he'll carry you. And that's what he's saying. I made you. 
Hearing the word spoken to your soul today, I'll carry you. In the last verse, he says, I will rescue you. Okay? I'll just read it again. It's real short. I will sustain you. For I, will, I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. I'm going to be there to rescue you. Remember, I said, for you to remember all the times you've been rescued and how amazed you are at how God came through. But I, if, if, I, if you're like me, I know what you're thinking. Sometimes. You're thinking, death has to come sometime. I have loved ones that aren't here with me that you could preach that sermon to, but he let, he let them die. <laughs> uh, how do I know he's going to rescue me this time or not just let me die? And you know the answer because you're God's people, but it's always good to hear it, isn't it? We read it from 2 Corinthians. The whole reason the God who wrote this through Isaiah 46 in Isaiah 49 and 50 and 53 prophesied on how his son would come and rescue us from death so that when it's time to take, give somebody else our space on earth by letting us, letting, taking us out, that we'll go to heaven. That actually death is a rescue because Jesus has already rescued us from death. He only lived 33 years, but they were all perfect years. And he died an innocent death to take away the death that comes from sin. And he saved our souls. And so Jesus, Jesus gives us salvation that at the moment of our death, it's really a rescue. It's not a loss. It's a gain. That's everything that Paul was writing. If you want to study it further in 2 Corinthians that I read over there. That he says our body is, dwell, is deteriorating, but we're, at, we're away from the Lord. And until we're at home, safe with the Lord, we're still not there yet. We haven't yet arrived at home. See, we're not at home. But we're going to be rescued and taken home to heaven where there is no death. Because Jesus has conquered death and sin for us that caused it. And therefore, when God says in Isaiah, in the middle of the book where he talks about what Jesus was going to come and do for us, I will rescue you. He has that in mind. But he may also be rescuing you for this life many times over before he does that. All of this is said to you so you will stop being so afraid. Don't live in fear. Live in faith. And if you're struggling to live in faith, then study and meditate on the promises of God like we are here right now. Uh, long-time Lutherans that grew up in the faith of our church when they were uh, small uh, children, 7th and 8th grade, maybe before that even, had to memorize Luther's explanation to the first article and second article and third article of the Apostles' Creed. Remember that? Well, this is it on the screen. Um, I'm trying to think if I brought it up here with me. I was going to read it to you, and it's a little too small on the screen for me to read. Uh, I think what I'll have to do, just, just to get out here where I can see this screen, so I can read it uh, with you. But this is Luther's explanation, and it's everything that I'm talking about. And I just wanted you to see that it's part of, for many of you, this is something that's been part of your heritage for a really long time, and you could return to it, and it could be comforting for you. So here we go. And we're almost done. 
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. That's the first article of the creed. What does this mean? I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and he still takes care of them. There's the two, first two thoughts of our text, right? Made me and carries me. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. Who protects you? That's coming next. Who protects you? Not your mask. Not your hand sanitizer. Not your social distancing. That's behavior that's beneficial and God may use that. To protect you. But don't fear as if it all depends on how that goes. God is in the equation. You may not actually wash enough. You, you may forget to wear your mask or somebody else does. But don't live in fear. Be smart, but live in faith, right? Instead, when you're not living in fear, you have energy to do this. All this, this is Luther finishing his thoughts. All this, God does only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this, it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. Isn't that beautiful? We memorize that, us young Lutherans, because we had to. Now it's time at this time in our life to focus on it because we want to. Amen.